Hello, hello, and welcome to the Borealis Experience. I'm your host, Aurora, and I'm very excited to be posting this interview for you here. Nate Rifkin grew up in a household that was really not loving and compassionate. And that, in turn, turned him into a very angry child and young person. And this anger he carried around for so many years also turned into depression, a full-on depression, let's say. And it went so far that he reached a point where he was really thinking of suicide and ending this miserable life he was living in. So Nate will not only share his story with you today, but he will also let us know about the tools the big steps, the small steps that he took in order to live a fulfilled life. He used to be very socially awkward and, as I said at the beginning, angry. And now he met the woman of his dreams and wrote a book and is helping many more people out there who struggle with depression, anxiety, or even suicidal thoughts. Welcome to this show, Nate Rifkin. Well, well, thank you, Aura. Thank you for having me on. And, and yeah, I hope this story can really help inspire some people and, and give them some great direction. Um, but the the short version is, um, I, I was born into a family that was really devoid of any kind of love or um like my parents were not compassionate people and I was a very angry child. Uh, and I, I didn't really understand that this was kind of an emotionally abusive environment. I, I didn't have any perspective. Um, and as I got older, my anger got more and more turned inward. So I got more and more sad. I got more and more depressed. Um, and as an awkward teenager, um, which is socially awkward, which, piled on. It just got worse and worse because I was angry to begin with. And then I got more frustrated, which made me more socially awkward. And I, um, I didn't really care much about school. Could, I could not get a date to save my life, but I figured if I could go to college and move out of my town and move away from my family, move away from the people I knew I could start over. And my first day at college, I realized how wrong I was because it didn't matter how far I traveled or if I surrounded myself with total strangers, new people. I was still myself. I was still carrying my inner baggage with me. Um, so they, I, I didn't really make any friends in college and my grades started to slip. And the only light in my life at that point was that I, I liked working out. I liked exercising. And I thought maybe some somehow I can be um, like an entrepreneur in some way, like own a gym, be a personal trainer or produce products on health and fitness, like how to products, like how to work out. So I started thinking, I hate college. I, I'm hating my life right now. And if I'm going to be a business owner of some kind, do I need a college degree? Maybe not. I don't think anyone's going to ask for it. So I dropped, I dropped out. And I said, well, on my last day of, it was three semesters in, it was my last day. I still remember I said goodbye. I didn't leave. Nobody noticed I was gone. Um, 
So in my early 20s, I, I moved into a condo in uh, Boulder, Colorado, and I started you know, trying to sell, I actually did create a business selling fitness products online with that. I actually partnered with my brother. He was like the face of the business. He, he knew a lot about uh, yoga and other forms of exercise. And I just kind of was behind the scenes handling everything. And I had a knack for writing. I had a knack for advertising, but I was terrible at everything else. Like I had no knowledge of how to like run a business or even just how to run my own personal finances so I started maxing out my credit cards and it, it just got worse and worse. Like the same downward spiral that happened like socially for me was now happening financially for me. So I was getting pretty scared. And just to get through the day, I started drinking vodka every morning, like probably about a couple of shots of vodka in the morning mixed with like uh, an energy drink. It wasn't Red Bull, but it was kind of like that. Um, and that's how I started every single day and sometimes I, I i think i had another another drink in the afternoon early afternoon and um my business started getting worse and worse i started going into deeper and deeper debt things weren't working out my brother and things weren't working out anywhere else um and this was while i was doing like goal setting and visualizing my success and all kinds of other stuff like affirmations i even had a vision board uh when if anyone ever came over to my condo i like hid the vision board i was, I was kind of embarrassed about that sort of thing um so i was in a rough spot and this was like you like you said this is right around when i started thinking about killing myself because my thoughts would just loop and loop and loop and loop and i i felt like such a loser and i didn't know what to do i was so frustrated because Everything I that was supposed to work didn't work. And I was really, really trying. I was really trying. Um, fortunately, I had someone who was uh, a, kind of a, a quasi-mentor and he was, he was teaching business. And I'd kind of go to his meetups quarterly with uh, other people. And he was into a spiritual tradition called Taoism. And I didn't, he didn't really talk about it too much. But eventually he's like, let me show you some meditations. And they're really cool. And he talked about, I was like, look, I actually go, I, I go to China and I learn these things. And these, these, these meditations go back like thousands of years. They're very powerful. People would do them and like become enlightened or they meditate on the tops of mountains or in caves. And this like, it was interesting to me. I'm like, I was drawn to it. I was like, well, this is kind of cool. This isn't like the usual the usual kind of boring, just sit and, you know, sit on a cushion quiet in your mind type stuff. Cause I wasn't, I mean, I dabbled in spiritual stuff here and there, but I'm like, you know, show me the results. I was like, if, if it's, I, I got, I, I've got my goals that I want to achieve. And it's like, I'm not just drawn to this stuff just because I'm, you know, drawn to it. I, I will, I want there to be a result of some kind. Well, finally with like, the Taoist spiritual path, my teacher's like, look, this is going to help you in the rest of your life. Just try out this one meditation. It's super cool. It's even like rooted in martial arts. So, and it was a meditation that happened to be done uh, standing up. So I was like, all right, let me try it. I started with 60 seconds per day. And a funny thing happened. I started to actually feel better about myself. Like the thoughts that used to loop and loop they started to like, 
And they're all, and then of course it was self-hatred, these negative thoughts. That started to go down. It starts like it was like a dial taking it and quieting it down. I was like, well, that's nice. That's cool. I wasn't even trying to do that, but I'll take it. And then I realized my schedule was like I'd get up, take a shower, I would do a minute of meditation, and I'd add a little bit of time every day, and then I'd still go drink. I didn't stop. But I noticed something interesting. I would feel good from the meditation. Then I would go drink. And I, you know, I still like, I was such a mess that the alcohol did make me feel better on the surface level. But as I kept going, as the days went by, the meditation made me feel better and better. It was like catching up to how good the, the alcohol made me feel. And one day I felt as good right before I took a drink. It just kind of, the drink made me just feel more drunk. So I'm like, I wonder what's going to happen if I keep going. Well, within a day or two, I was feeling so good from the meditation that when I drank the alcohol, like it was sometime in the morning, I felt worse. And that's when I stopped drinking. So this is just, and it's just my story. I'm not saying it's like meditation, like, aha, you could, you stop drinking. But that's what happened to me. And, I, and again, it was like feeling good. I wasn't necessarily trying to do that. Mm -hmm. Can I add something to that? Like, I feel a lot of times people don't understand that alcoholism is there to, it has a purpose. It's helping us to feel better, to cope in life. So you have to replace it with something. And it, it doesn't have to be meditation, but, but something that is not destructive, self-destructive in order to let go of that. Because if you don't have something to replace it, you have that void with this, yeah. which is so painful to sit in. And so, and this is what people are probably most scared of, right? Yeah, that, that makes loss. I love how you put that. Like it's, it, there's a purpose to it. Mm -hmm. and, and it kind of, it, it, it ties into how I stopped because I added in something first right before. Yeah. I, uh, I built a positive habit. Yeah. Um, so as, as I ratcheted that up, the, the other habit, the negative one kind of fell away. It just yeah. kind of naturally disintegrated. Yeah. So I, I was just like, well, this is, this is cool because this is like real results. And I'm all about that. I'm like, I want like to, I want to feel something. I want to experience something. I, I want to a benefit from it. So I start other people at this point were like, Nate, you're uh, you're looking different. There's something different about you. And I like, I like didn't tell them what I was doing. So I'm like, Oh, this is cool. So it's not even just in my head. Mm -hmm. um, so I remember after practicing for a few months um, and just gradually feeling better and better every day. Um, I had an experience where, I felt like I was doing a meditation and I felt like my body started glowing like a light bulb and it felt really good too. It just felt, I just felt really warm. I didn't, I didn't have the language for it, but I was having like a spiritual experience. All I knew is that just like, Oh, this is cool. I feel wonderful. This is great. So it lasted several minutes. And then I, I like remember I was still in my condo. I was living in my, uh, a condo in Boulder. And I sat down on my futon and I'm just like, uh, I, this is like, this is the only thing in my life that is working for me. 
and it's working really well. I feel great. It, I, I found something that actually works. So I'm going to dedicate my life to it. Um, and that's sort of like the beginning of how I turned my inner life around is, and that was 12 years ago about, and I've been, I've been diving deeper into um, Taoism ever since then. So that's, that's kind of the, the, the beginning of my journey. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And I read something beautiful the other day that, us people who went through intense trauma and maybe even suicidal thoughts, we were meant to go through that journey in order to help people who are struggling today. Like in some um, religions, they for like, how, do you say foresaw, foresaw that there is going to be very mm -hmm. turbulent times where humanity has to rise up and, and, catch up and, and has to go through um, very painful periods. And you seem to, yeah, you went through that pain and learned to, yeah, transform it into something positive now. And now you can inspire others who are uh, struggling to follow you or to start a similar path. Um, yeah. how is it for you and your family, like your parents, did you ever reconnect with them or did you leave them back then? And now you kind of drifted apart. Did you have like reconnection or not so much? That's, that's a great question. That's, that's a cool one. Um, I've never been asked that before. That's awesome. Uh, It's very, very interesting because I was, when I, when I went to college and basically beyond, I pretty much didn't talk to my parents. Um, my, my father and I, and my parents are divorced. They divorced when I was seven. My father and I would occasionally have conversations, but it was very, it was very surface, surface level. It was very superficial, mm. but we got along. And my mother and I um, often would, would go, Uh, like a like may a year without a conversation. We'd have like a yearly conversation, and wouldn't be a good one necessarily. And I knew, and they're in very emotionally shut down places. So what's interesting though is I I monitored this when I began doing my like Taoist meditation practice and started like slowly turning my life around. My parents on their own, separately, started to seem to be more mentally healthy, mm -hmm. which, you know, I, I just made a mental note because their path is not my path and I'm not their caretaker, but I made a note, like, isn't that interesting? So as time went on, um, I still really rarely spoke to my mother um, until maybe about, what was it? Three years ago or three and a half years ago, because I actually started working with a therapist And kind of side note, some people like might wonder, it's just like, wait, you, you went on this spiritual path for 13 years and then worked with a therapist? Well, sure. I love using like multiple modalities to like help me out. Um, and this guy is really good. And he actually encouraged me to reconnect with my parents. But he was very, very um, deliberate and intentional about how to do it. 
because his whole thing is like, Nate, look, when you came in this world, you had an emotionally abusive relationship with your parents and they were the adults. They were in charge and you, you were a child. You didn't really know any better. Now is your chance to have a new conversation with your parents where you lead them and where you are in charge. Yeah. And he said, and you can do it on the phone and you can get really quick practice rounds. So one of the, one of the best things he ever had me do is call up each parent individually. So I'd be like, Hey mom, uh, I'd like to talk and I'd like to actually talk about our history and, and, and some other things. Would you be willing to do that? And, and she said, Said, oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, great. Uh, I will get back to you. And I end the conversation because I'm the one steering the ship. And it is, and I did the same thing with my dad, which was super awkward. Um, but the long story uh, short of that is I'm at a point now where I've learned that my mother is still in a pretty bad place. Um, however, I am connecting more with my father. So it's pretty interesting how, um, when one goes on a uh, kind of on a journey of, of putting their life back together and thriving that sometimes things can work out with family. Mostly I've seen the distance is the result, but sometimes that's uh that's a healthy thing. And sometimes it's very, very necessary. And we have to, we have to really release our dreams of that storybook ending with the same people that might've hurt us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No matter the outcome, it is so important, though, to feel differently now about your parents than you used to. You might have felt very angry. You were maybe very resentful and you were still carrying that anger inside of you, maybe if you didn't even feel it. And to now change the relationship is such a huge thing for your healing process too, for theirs as well, yeah. but for yours to be able to let go and to not be that victim anymore, to know that today you can make your decisions, you can set boundaries, you can have those conversations or not, is um, incredibly healing and empowering. So thank you for, for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I, I really love how you said the anger I, you, that you might not even feel because that's exactly where I was. Someone told me, it's like, oh, you're angry at parents. It's like, no, I don't care. I don't, I don't, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> that's, oh, sure. You don't. <laughs> um, how was it like in relationships, like romantic relationships? Did you like, as soon as you, forgave your parents or kind of knew that you you have a different sense of self now did that change the way you were relating maybe even to your friends but also romantic partners yeah yeah and in fact being able to relate differently to romantic partners was the was the purpose behind reconnecting with my parents Because my, my, my therapist was very, very smart. And I was just, and I, I had a, a, a very direct intentions like, oh yeah, yeah. I would love to, you know, have a great relationship and maybe get married. And he could see, it's just like, Nate may want that, but we need to steer him back to his parents. And I'm like, what, what do I have to talk to them for? I'm over that. He's like, and he's like, 
trust, trust me, trust me on this. And well, he didn't actually, he did more than say, trust me. He, he talked about, it's like, look, I've, I've actually done, gone through this with other people and it really helps. So yes, because what happened was as a result of me being able to steer the conversation with my parents, whether the relationship had a happier or, or more loving outcome or not, I changed the way I related to them and I kind of rewired my brain for relating to them and they were my original programming. Mm -hmm. So what happened was, yeah, when I would talk to, it could be on a date. I could, if, when I talked to a woman on a date, all of a sudden I was a lot more open and, and fun and spontaneous about where I would, I would, you know, go with the conversation. Um, because here's an interesting tidbit. You know, guys who are kind of like, it's like, oh, I struggle with dating because, you know, I don't know, women say I'm boring. It's like, that's because you're angry and you're, but you're, you're, you've got a lid on it. You're shut down as a result. So there's, there's a lot of like, you know, the, the what people see on the other side is like, oh, it's just kind of boring. It was a flat conversation. The reason there's no liveliness is because there's so much emotional baggage stuffing down half of your energy as a human being. So as a result, you're going to come off flat. And because your feedback is like boring, you never realize it's really the anger. Mm. That's what needs to be resolved. Wow. That is such yeah. a big thing. I know people who will listen to this will be like, holy, I, you know, sometimes we're, we're so close to the, to the key, to the solution, but we just don't see it. And you made it very visual just now with the lid on and, and the boring. Yeah. Like I never thought of that. Also when, when you, blame others to be boring it's usually yourself like you're not allowing a flow of conversation and and then as a result you blame the other person oh she was so boring she was so closed up but it was all you who were not capable of being okay with who you are and confident in a in a conversation yeah yeah because when you Yeah, because you say someone, well, someone's boring. It's like, well, they're a human being. Did, did you have any compassion for just being able to hang out and see the light in another human being? Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's always that. Yes. Or just be like, you know, that person, I, I appreciate where that person is on their journey or something. You could say it's like, well, we did we we didn't resonate that okay, fine. But but yeah, and saying someone else is boring is just like it's kind of it it really is just one more flavor of uh the circumstances had power over me. It's like, okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Um, yeah. How was it for you when you first gave up alcohol, when you first dove into um, meditation, did you have situations? Maybe it's, you don't remember anymore, but situations where you had a choice where it was like, oh, actually like it was good with the alcohol. I can go back. Um, you know, where you had to make a decision or was it very clear that meditation is taking over now and, and this is your path? It was honestly, it was very clear to me because I did stop drinking because of willpower. Uh, 
it really just didn't feel good anymore. Now, and that's just what happened to me. Mm-hmm. Um, now there were there were there were other things in my life where there there was more willpower required, like when it came to like paying bills regularly or keeping you know keeping my place clean or being more social. Where I had to remind myself, hey, the spiritual walk I'm taking helps, but that's all it's going to do is help. It, it's going to give me the inner strength to do what's best for me but I still have to do what is best for me. I can't use meditation to swap out hard work. It's an adjunct. So, so yeah, it was, I, I had both situations for sure. And I still do today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's, it's part of our lives and, and you just got to embrace it and see that it's okay. You just don't need to engage in it anymore. Yeah. And, and I, I think uh, a lot of people get involved and in, so they dive into their the spiritual part of life and maybe meditation to escape mm-hmm. or to get something where it's just like, well, I couldn't. It's kind of like people who kind of dive into the law of attraction where it's just like, ah, I, can, I can't do anything right. Well, let me let me go try the spiritual thing. And, and it's almost like a way to, to bypass a way that they really do need to grow inwardly. Mm. Um, so it's, it's, it's hey, I, I, I just don't kill the messenger. But I mean, it's just like, look, I have found that the spiritual path is a part of your growth. And it, it, you can't sort of um, use it to avoid um an inner maturing that you need to go through. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so wonderful. Thank you, Nate, so much. I I feel like it's been so valuable already, everything that you've shared. Um, My pleasure. If there was three things that you had to write down for a person who's maybe not quite there yet, but who had maybe a little bit of an awakening listening to you now, what would be the three steps or maybe tools that you would recommend um, for a person to help themselves? The first is having a meditative practice. And I, I love like the really simple foundational practice of breathing into one's belly and feeling the breath going into your belly. And, and what I'd write down for this person is one of the three steps is we have, we're in information overload. There's so much out there, but the power of meditation is taking the time to feel, mm-hmm. feel the energy. Because the more you feel the energy, the more energy you'll build. And the more you focus on feeling, the more sensitive you're going to get to it. So someone's, someone's just like, no, nah, I don't, I don't feel nothing from meditation. Hey, I can relate. Okay, I was that guy. Um, it's not going to be overnight. Um, it is a muscle that must be built, and and sitting quietly and breathing into your belly is a great way to do it. And also by focusing on your breath, you're going to calm down your mind without trying to fight your mind. Exactly. Um, yeah. So the second thing I, I would say for someone is like the habit of a meditative practice like that, which could be a very, very powerful one. Cause I think by the way, some people want to be like, ah, oh, just sitting and breathing into your belly. That's no, come on. Give me, give me the real good. It's just like, no, that, that really is, that really is 
mm-hmm. uh, a very effective, powerful practice. So the second thing I'd say is it's not about it fighting your, it's not about making an enemy of your thoughts. Um, I, I spent my first 25 years being at odds with my thoughts and, and, and having this clash with my own thoughts when really it was a matter of stepping off the treadmill of, well, let me think positive. Oh, no, I'm not thinking positive. Oh, shoot, I'm going to attract something bad. Uh, I, you know, I can't, let me just shut off my thoughts. Why do I keep living? As, as like, and most of the time I was just thinking about something I was angry about. The, key, the reason a meditative practice works so well is you get to jump off that treadmill. It's like, I'm not going to participate in it. It's not a matter of like, well, let me try and outthink my thoughts somehow. It's like a dog chasing its tail. Mm-hmm. I'm just not going to participate. Mm-hmm. So, and the, and the third thing I would say is that it's, it is like, an, it's part of your life, like exercise or making sure your sleep is good or uh, working on your career. It, instead of overnight, think daily discipline mm-hmm. and the results will take care of themselves over the long term. Be Pat yourself on the back just for putting in that five minutes per day if you're building the habit. Um, and, 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 and what will happen is maybe in that week, you know, you're going to be like, all right, this is nothing much. Maybe that month you'll be like, well, I don't know. I'm getting some results, but I don't know. This doesn't really seem like keep going. Cause over a period of several months, you might be like, I guess there's something to this. Yeah, there is. <laughs> it's like, well, I'm feeling a little bit better. People are treating me better. Life's getting a little bit better. It's like, well, yeah, yeah, that's, that's great. That's kind of the point because what's going to happen is five years from now, you'll look back and you'll go, thank God. I did that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that is the key. So that, that's what I would say. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Maybe start out and, and do it as you brush your teeth, right? A couple of times a day, yeah. just a couple of minutes and see what happens. Become familiar with your thoughts, become familiar with your monkey mind up here. And then, <laughs> Don't engage. If it's not positive, if it's not leading anywhere good, then just choose to not engage. And yeah, very, very. Absolutely. Because it doesn't matter what the thoughts are, you can still breathe into your belly. It's like, okay, I understand. I understand that this is just like my thoughts are screaming louder than ever. Oh, look, I can still breathe into my belly. (laughs) I still do that. Yes. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Nain, for your time. Um, that was a very, very My good pleasure. time um, and awesome to get to know you a little bit. Um, if there is listeners out here who want to reach out to you, is there any platform um, that you can provide with or um, should they just buy your book? Um, uh, of course, mention your book as well. Um Is there a way to, to reach you if there's questions? Uh, well, there I do have a blog. So on naterifkin.com, it's just, yeah. just my name. Um, and I, I, I post regularly. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, for a, for a really kind of deep, like getting to the nitty gritty of the story and kind of be held by the hand and led through 
uh, a lot of this, a lot of the factors in the spiritual walk. Um, you know, I, I took three years to write this book and um, it's on Amazon. It's called The Standing Meditation. And actually, I even have a, a website, thestandingmeditation.com, which which just goes to the Amazon page, but makes things easy. Uh, so that 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 would be the way. I mean, I wrote I wrote that book in terms of like if some if someone were where I was at, you know, 13 years ago, mm-hmm. this is the book I would want handed to them. Mm-hmm. That is so beautiful. Wonderful. So I will make sure to put that in the show notes as well. And um, yeah, otherwise, thank you so much for your time here today. Well, thank you. Or it's been really, really wonderful. Thank you so much for listening to this interview. And if you have any questions, reach out to me on Facebook. Aurora Eggert is my name there. Or on Instagram, The Borealis Experience. And if you enjoy my content here, please leave me a review on Apple Podcast. It would mean the world to me. Thank you. And I will be out there very soon again. Bye-bye.